The Milkrun, Chapter 3, The Ambush. Midnight, all hundred hours. John and Steve have been keeping the boat on its heading and after dark, watching out for the running lights of the rest of the squadron. It's much harder to navigate by compass and line of sight after full dark, close to shore. The slightest misstep and you could end up on some unseen object or another boat. As John took the helm again, the radio barked and John grabbed the headset, already anticipating what the call was about. Sure enough, Chief Armstrong on the squadron channel, directing all boats to heave to and set anchor in the standard defensive perimeter. Give a check-in call when completed. John acknowledged and set the headset down. He directed his crew to make the ready the bow anchors and brought the boat around into position. Once he was satisfied, he flashed the light on the wheelhouse top to let his crew know it was time to drop the anchors. Once the boat settled down on the anchors, he got everyone together to set the first watch. As the watch was being organized, everyone else was breaking out their military folding costs to get ready for a little sleep. John radioed in and let the chief know that the boat was secure and the watch set. After he was acknowledged by the other boat watch, he shut down the engines and wheelhouse lights. Kept the running lights on and the one engine that also doubled as a generator. No sense in running the batteries down. As everyone settled down, John heard the radio chirp again. John turned around and hopped back up into the wheelhouse thinking, now what? As he put the headset back on and acknowledged the call, Lieutenant Johnson responded to tell John that they had considered his idea and thought it seriously worth looking at. They already had a plan for the bow ramp cables. Lieutenant wanted all the boat captains to be available the next morning at 0700 to get the plan of the day and make reports as needed. When he signed off, John left the wellhouse to get Steve to tell him about the morning plans. After finding a second command and a master sergeant, John told him what the lieutenant wanted and to be prepared by 0700. He wasn't sure how they planned to disseminate the information, but John figured they would find out in the morning. John had elected to take the last lookout watch to get some rest for the next day's activities. As he lay down on his cot, he had a hard time going to sleep as he was worried about what just they were fixing to get into. 0500 watch woke John up at 0545. Time enough for John to wash his face, grab something from the previous night's MRE. John missed the morning coffee, but figured he could survive a few days without it. John relieved the watch and stepped up on the aft deck to set the lookout. As he watched the water for any telltale lights or movement, he started thinking of home and wondering how things were doing. John was originally from a farm in the Midwest and left home to join the Navy the summer after high school. He found that he liked the regimented lifestyle the military gave him, and the Navy allowed him to see places around the world he only dreamed of back on the farm. He didn't have a wife, and only a sort of girlfriend that he wrote to on occasion. His crew, on the other hand, was a little different. Steve was married and had a little small toddler at home. Roger and Tim, the seamen, had girlfriends that they were constantly trying to talk to, despite being halfway around the world. John didn't want anything to happen to any of them. As he was scanning the horizon, he heard the radio chirp. He reached in to grab the headset. Chief was there telling everyone to stand by 0700 for navigation instructions to the supply stop on the day's agenda. He would be having somebody relay the Latin longitude by semaphore to maintain ComSec. That was an eye-opener. John acknowledged and signed off. He then rummaged in around in a drawer to find his Morse code semaphore book so he could read the signs. He then woke up Roger at 0630 and told him what was coming and to be ready. All John had was a flashing light to respond back with, but he guessed they knew that. 0700 found Roger standing on the stern, John at the wheelhouse door with the binoculars watching for the signal from the command boat. As the signal flag started flapping, 
Roger wrote down the flags and signals on a piece of paper, and John responded with a flashing light and acknowledgement message received. Once they dropped out, John immediately started decoding the flag signals. They were just a series of numbers detailing the latitude and longitude for the scheduled resupply beach head for, the late, for that late day, later that day. As John plotted the location on his chart, he saw that this was nowhere near any type of village or town, just open desert and a beach. John guessed this, part, guessed this was part of the secrecy surrounding the mission. The signal went up to start making ready to get underway. John woke everybody up. Those that were lagging, as most were already up. John briefed Sergeant Thomas and had the seamen get ready to pull the anchors. Steve started the engines and gave John a thumbs up. Once the anchors are up, John radioed they were ready. Once underway, they headed for an unknown spot on a map. As the morning progressed, John briefed everyone about the plan was so far. As far as what the plan was when they arrived at the supply depot, there was no plan yet. John figured they would find out when they got there, much like everything else on this trip so far. By mid-afternoon, a squadron had arrived close to the spot on the map. The command boat signaled for everyone to heave to and wait for orders. Once everyone got stopped, the Major got on the sort of secure frequency and detailed to everyone how they were going to do this. He told everyone that the supplies were on trucks near the beachhead waiting for their signal upon arrival. The Major didn't say this in his broadcast, but John figured that they didn't want to just drop off the supplies on the beach and take a chance on being discovered, so they sat out in the desert waiting for a signal. As the Major was detailing how he wanted the boats to set up to load the supplies, John thought, this is an accident waiting to happen. Why weren't they doing this under cover of darkness? He felt bad for the guys in the truck sitting out there in the hot sun waiting for them. All the boat captains were given a new course of 280 degrees to follow until they could see the beach they were going to load up at. The lead boat sighted the beach and headed in while everyone else waited offshore to see what came next. When the lead Mike 8 approached the beach, they popped a green smoke canister and threw it on the beach to let the convoy know they had arrived, which had been waiting behind some low hill hills off the beach area. Soon four trucks drove out, parked at the top of the beach, waiting for the boats to run in and drop their ramps. The vision officer signaled all the boats to stand by and only allowed three boats in at a time to, to beach and drop their bow ramps. As John waded offshore, he kept a close eye on the hills in case of trouble. He still had that nagging feeling of something bad confident. He posted one of the seamen on a bow to also keep watch. As the lead boat beached and dropped their ramp, a soldier came down from one of the trucks to greet them. As John stood by, the SF group captain greeted the soldier and started to negotiate the supply transfer. John watched as the other soldiers disembarked from their trucks. When some of them went behind the trucks to relieve themselves, another stood around and lit up cigarettes, John wondered about this poor leadership to allow the soldiers to be so lax. Why weren't there any Humvees or still soldiers standing perimeter on? John thought, and maybe I'm just getting paranoid and can't see them. John figured that he wasn't going to take any chances, though. He motioned to the master sergeant to voice his feelings and asked him to please ready his men in case of trouble. Sergeant looked at him and realized John was serious, so he turned around and ordered his men to grab their weapons and load up. Then he had everyone take up positions around the boat just in case. John gave up his binoculars to the sergeant and said, I don't see any perimeter watches of any kind. He asked the sergeant to take a look for himself and see if he could see anything that John may have missed. As Master Sergeant Thomas started to scan the hill and beach areas for perimeter guards and anything else amiss, John looked back at the boats on the beach. There were now three LCMs on the beach with ramps down, crews standing by to receive cargo. Some of the soldiers on board were fanned out around the beach at the bows of the boat waiting to help. As John, watched the soldiers, as John watched, the soldiers started backing the trucks down the beach towards the boats. 
The chief was there directing the trucks and managing the boats. About then, Sergeant Thomas came back over to John to report that he also didn't see any perimeter guards and thought that was very unusual. He wanted to check with his CO and ask about that, if that was okay. John said, sure, go ahead. Sergeant jumped up the wheelhouse, got on the radio the lead boat to talk to make this report. After the call, Sergeant Thomas came back over and told John that they would check on that from the beach. As John continued to watch the beach, he saw the captain walk off the boat ramp to talk to the leading NCO. John started to get really concerned when he saw the captain get into a heated argument with a supply sergeant on the beach. As he watched, the captain returned the sergeant's salute and watched the NCO stalk back off to his truck. John relayed this back to Sergeant Thomas, who then replied, he probably just got told to set up security and didn't like it. Given the clandestine nature of this mission, something was off. John just couldn't put a finger on it yet. John then got an idea. Why not send out the beach soldiers on the boats to pull security instead of the convoy soldiers? John trusted them more than the strangers on the beach. John's sailors on the boats could handle the cargo landing. They had done this hundreds of times. This was their job, after all. John went over and offered this idea to Sergeant Thomas, who said, This is a good idea. Let me pass that on to the CO and see what he says. After another radio call, John watched as the seven group soldiers formed up to receive their orders to provide perimeter security. Sergeant in charge of the convoy stood by his truck door and looked pretty unhappy about let it go, or so John thought. While all this drama was going on regarding security, the first truck started to back down onto the beach to set up the cargo transfer. As one of the boat sailors jumped up to, into the truck to inspect the cargo, another soldier with the truck started to argue with a sailor about the inspection. John couldn't hear the words, but body language told him something bad happening. All of the sailors were required to inspect their prospective cargo for anything wrong or damaged and to figure out where any, everything will get stored properly. John's friend was just doing his job, but the soldier on the beach was arguing about it. John didn't understand why that should be a problem. John watched the argument unfold and draw more attention. A signal went up from the hills. Someone had popped the red smoke canister. Red always means danger. When everyone looked up at the smoke, the convoy soldiers made their move. The soldier arguing with John's friend pulled out a pistol and shot him on the beach and ran back to the truck. The convoy NCO started shouting and his supposed, supposed soldier started opening up with automatic rifles into the boats. With most of the SF group soldiers now up in the hills, the sailor, sailors were near the defenses and the 7th group defenders were cut down right away. As the gunfire gun erupted, Sergeant Thomas directed his squad to fire on the trucks and take out, try to take out as many as they could. With the officers pinned down in the boats and casualties on the beach, John didn't know what to do but decided something was better than nothing. He told Sergeant Thomas to hang on as he was going to bring his boat ashore to allow him to go on the offensive. Thomas gave him a, a thumbs up and continued to direct fire for his squad. John helped his fellow boat captains would follow his lead. John jumped up to the wheelhouse, grabbed the wheel, and throttled from Steve. Steve jumped down into the well deck to help Seaman as best he could and wait for further orders. As John brought the boat around and headed for the beach next to the one of the other LCMs, he watched the scene on the beach unfold some more. The convoy soldiers were trying to board the boats and, and receiving fierce resistance from a couple of soldiers not already killed and the sailors who just had gaffing poles. John looked back and saw that the other boat captains were falling into the beach and their soldiers were also shooting at the enemy combatants. All this was taking a toll on them. Just about the time they started hesitating, some of the recon patrol from 7th Group ran back to the beach and hit them from behind. After a few rough minutes, all the convoy soldiers were dead or had surrendered. As John and the other captains ran their boats in close enough to drop the ramps, the soldiers jumped off, jumped off and wrapped everything up. 
While John and the other boats secured themselves up and down the beach, he watched Major and Lieutenant Johnson emerge from the well deck of the command boat and walk out onto the beach. Chief Armstrong had been wounded but was able to walk. A combat meeting was attended to him and the other wounded. John figured it was probably smart for him and his crew to remain with the boat since they were unarmed until they were told to do otherwise. The other captains followed suit. Besides, John didn't like wading in the surf unless he absolutely had to. John waited to find out any further orders. He watched the goings-on and started thinking about what just happened. They had been ambushed by an unknown group of as, as of group terrorists or enemy soldiers. Somehow their mission had been seriously compromised. That was pretty serious. John thought, now what? Are they going to scrub the mission now? As he waited, Lieutenant Johnson walked over to the beach where he could see John and motioned for him to come out on the bell ramp. As John went out, the lieutenant praised him for his actions and quit thinking, as it likely saved a lot of lives. Meanwhile, the Army captain and three soldiers were dead with a couple of wounded, one being Chief Armstrong, who had been on the beach. A couple of the junior enlisted sustained minor injuries, but would be fine once the medics patched them up. The first sailor who had been shot just had it through and through and would be patched up until they can get him to the hospital. Major was on a satellite phone talking to his higher-ups to make a report and receive further orders. Lieutenant Johnson wanted John and the other captains to check the cargo on the beach and in the trucks to see what they could see what they had and find out if anything would be useful. John motion, mentioned fuel for the boats as he didn't see any fuel tankers being pulled with the trucks. Lieutenant told John that they weren't sure yet. Then John said they could always siphon fuel from the trucks to at least have enough to get back to the base of Bahrain. Lieutenant Johnson said he would look into it and get back to everyone. John continued to wait and watch. He chatted with his crew about what happened. They all wondered what was coming next. John hope, hopefully turned back around and have a boring ride back to Bahrain. They had plenty of RMRAs. Fuel might be an issue, but if they got close enough to base, they could radio for a fuel tanker to the top them off. John started humming the theme song from Gilligan's Island again. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip That started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour A three-hour tour 